continues to assault you, and, and yet the victory is ours if we, if we will accept it, if we'll take it. So we saw in the first part of this study, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's those principalities and powers. Satan and his demons are the ones who are trying to destroy us, and they do it by lying to us, giving us false ideas, mixing us up, confusing us, making us think that it's a good idea to do stupid things. And then we saw the importance of truth and righteousness as we got into part two. Last week in part three, we saw the, the feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, just how important it is to be prepared to carry the gospel to others and to live in the light and reality of that good news. Now, today, we've come to verse 16, and there's a little bit of a shifting of gears because earlier the armor of God was seen as qualities that you have. Notice it says that, that um, you know, in verse 14, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But it, starting in verse 16, it gets a bit more active because instead of what you have, now it's referring to what you are taking. And so the first one that we'll see today is taking that shield of faith. In verse 17, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So a bit of a shifting of gears. And also it seems that he is escalating the sense of importance in what he's telling us because verse 16 begins by saying, above all. Okay, we've, we've laid the background, we've laid the foundation, we've talked about righteousness and truth and the gospel. Now, I'm going to really get down to business, he says. This is important for you to get this. And so he says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Almost every word in that verse is so important. This is something that you can do. This is something that, that you can be successful in. You will be able to. But the ability is there. It doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to do it. You have to take it in order to really experience this victory. And everything that, the, that Satan throws at you, it all is encompassed in all. You can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, of Satan, as he is trying to rip you off, as he is throwing his lies at you. Fiery darts is a great image, and it involves, again, like all of this section, the way that they would do warfare back in Roman days, the way they would arm themselves. He's using the armor of a Roman soldier in order to make this connection in the spiritual realm of how we do battle. Fiery darts were short projectiles, you know, that would, and think of, well, if you're old enough to remember one of the coolest toys ever invented, lawn darts. Remember those things? I mean, eventually when kids ended up with them stuck in their heads and, you know, like every good toy, they end up doing away with them. But, you know, there were these projectiles that you could, I mean, you could chuck those things a long ways and they would just go straight and land and for the most part, so they had something similar to that, a projectile, but 
they would wrap a, a rag around the tip of it, dip it in flammable liquid, and light it on fire. So right when it was just starting to burn, boom, they would throw a bunch of those things, and they would wait until they had a whole lot of them, and then they would just come flying from all directions. Now, fiery darts weren't intended to kill you. They weren't going to win a battle in and of themselves. But what would happen with a fiery dart is it would stick in you and it might irritate you, but it would get in between the layers of your armor, perhaps, or maybe it would get around it and wing you on the side. But as soon as it would hit, it would kind of explode into flames and would start to light you on fire. And the, the notion wasn't at all, oh, we're going to burn the enemy. But really what they would were trying to do with fiery darts is get you to lose your desire to fight any longer. It would take you out of the battle. You, you, on the one hand, you're advancing, you've got swords and spears, and, and you're going to clash, but before you actually get there, ah, I'm on fire, and you're laying on the ground, rolling around, trying to put out the fire of the fiery darts. A huge distraction, hugely demoralizing as well. And something that was very effective at thinning the troops, basically. If you, and, and they weren't intended to any particular target. You didn't have to aim them. There was a bunch of people coming. You just fire them out there, and they would find some kind of target. And some of them were even exploding on the ground. But you start seeing them coming from nowhere, and you just go, I don't yeah, I better get out of here, or I better take my time to quench this fire rather than advancing as a soldier. And, and so he takes this image. Now, by the way, the best defense against a fiery dart was a good shield because the shield was flammable in those days, and shields were a lot bigger than the little ones that we think of. It was more like carrying a door in front of you. Big piece of wood, usually at least four feet high, two feet wide. Now, a fiery dart could land in a shield and start that on fire too. But the shield was lined in the front with fireproof metal. And so as a result, if they put that up and you could kind of stop the darts and continue to advance. And that's the imagery that Paul is borrowing on here. Now, we've said that we know who our enemy is. Paul defined it. It's, it's a real devil and those who are fighting on his behalf, spiritual demons. Now, if, if you are one of those who just thinks, oh, that's, that's nonsense, there's no such thing as a devil and his angels and all of that, then you're definitely going to lose the battle because you don't even understand who it is that's attacking you. But the Bible teaches this, and it's really true. And if you begin to evaluate the attacks that are coming after you all the time, you'll have to acknowledge they couldn't possibly, you know, either there's the most incredible conspiracy in the world that's against me, and everyone I run into is in on it, or this really is something that's going on in the, in the spiritual realm, in the demonic realm. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but Satan loves to fool us and make us think that people are the problem, and therefore we end up fighting with people and not fighting the real enemy. So what are the darts of the wicked one that he throws at us? What is it that Satan hits us with? These little annoyances, these little things that take us out of the battle. Well, there's a lot of them. But 
you know what Satan and when we were talking about him I said his basic weapon is the lie he is the father of lies Satan absolutely depends on his ability to lie to us in order for him to be effective at all because the truth is he's already been defeated the truth is he is a fantastic loser the truth is his future is a is an eternal hell and he really knows that but he doesn't want us to know that because he just wants to do as much damage as he can before he's finally put in the bottomless pit so you know here's satan a the ultimate loser of all losers but all he can do really for the most part is lie to us sometimes it seems like he can do a lot more than lie because his lies inspire all sorts of wicked acts people end up doing bad things because they believe a lie and then therefore satan can kind of take credit for it but he's really the one who just primes the pump with these lies now these fiery darts for us may just come in the notion of thoughts that come into our head you ever wake up in the morning and it's a beautiful day and all of a sudden you find yourself thinking some horrible thing you're just like oh yuck where did where did that come from sometimes the the bad thoughts turn into temptation even you start imagining things and thinking what might happen or what you might do and, and you're and you're considering just disgusting acts well those are examples of he, he, satan isn't in your head but he can say something that'll put that kind of thought in your head and it's really not that hard to do let's face it if i wanted to i could put a picture inside your head right now ice cream that one's not so bad it depends if it's something you're battling that might be a horrible picture to put in your head but there are other things I could say just as easily that could put an awful picture in your mind that could put a horrible thought in your head that it might take you a long time to get it out of your head it's amazing how once a suggestion is made our brain is able to just get around it and hang on to it. it and it works with neutral things like you hear a song and it's amazing how you get a song in your head and it'll stay there sometimes for days the same song going over and over and I found about the only way to get a song out of my head is to get another song into my head and you know sometimes that's not easy to do and then you end up being bugged at that song but Satan knows that through the power of suggestion all he has to do is whisper an image to you and boom there it is fiery dart sometimes fiery darts come in the way of temptation and here's what happens you have a gross thought and then Satan goes look what you were thinking you're a horrible person where did that came out of your head that came out of your mind and then you start thinking, you know, you could be on a, on a high, things are going great, life is wonderful, you're loving God, and all of a sudden you have this idea of doing something that's just disgusting. And you go like, ooh, and Satan goes, see, look what you're like. That was your idea. And what do we do? We believe him. We go, oh, gross, I, I am disgusting. 
I don't know how God could ever use me because look what's in my head. Now, anybody can put anything in your head. That doesn't define you. That, whatever it is that you've thought of or been tempted to do, that doesn't make you who you are. That's just how the enemy takes you out of the battle and, and causes this little flame up, and you're like, whoa, what is that? There are a lot of other things. Sometimes a memory will just come out of nowhere, and you'll remember something that someone said that was just hurtful. you remember something that happens, and it's like it's so real. It's like it just happened. And there you are, you're back in that time and you're feeling that way. And again, it's just another one of those things that you think, I'm losing it. I, I am just not normal. I am not in, I, God can't use me. I'm an awful person. And, and through tempting you and leading you and reminding you, he, he, he causes you to lose sight of the battle and to actually get out of the battle completely sometimes. Understand this, Jesus was perfect, but he was tempted in everything as we are, yet without sin. There isn't anything wrong with being tempted. There isn't anything wrong with thinking about something. There isn't anything wrong with feeling a certain way or having a certain urge or being driven to do something stupid. That's, that's not sin. It's when you nurture that and bring it into fruition that it defeats you. Until then, all it does is fool you into thinking that you've already been defeated, that you ought to just pull out of the battle. And it's, it's a lie of Satan. It's one of his flaming darts. Now, sometimes just something that somebody else says to you will hit you like a flaming dart. And it's amazing. Sometimes, like, they have no idea that what they say would be sensitive to you. But it's like somebody knows, somebody's setting you up. You're being, you're being cornered and trapped into being vulnerable and then boom, the wrong thing at the wrong time. Maybe it'll be even something you hear on TV or in another conversation. It's like, whoa, where is this coming from? All of these fiery darts that we're being attacked with, all coming from lies, all pretending to define us, and none of them meaning anything at all. Anyone can lie. Anyone can say stupid things. Anyone can think bad things. Anyone can be tempted to do bad things. That doesn't make you anything except human. And it, and it verifies what God's word says about Satan and the attacks that he, that he performs. And we need to understand that. Where are they coming from? And you know, it's amazing how it seems like it comes in waves. You ever notice that? It's like, you can just have a horrible day, and on that day, everything goes wrong. It starts out, you know, you're, you're getting out of bed, and you're already hurting. You step on your foot funny. It's asleep or whatever. It's like, oh, man. And then the shower won't warm up, and you're, you know, you're out of shampoo, and then you're, you're getting out, and you can't. You're tripping over stuff, and somebody leaves this, and oh my goodness, my alarm clock didn't go off, and it's late, and it's horrible, and then you get going, and your car doesn't want to run, and it barely gets there, and you get to work, and already somebody's bugged at you, and there's messages from somebody else, and it's like, was that your day yesterday? But <laughs> it's like, it's almost like somebody knows, because somebody does know. And in the same way that soldiers would wait until everybody's ready and lit up 
and then throw the darts all at once, this barrage comes in, that ought to tell us something. This is planned. When you're having a bad day, when it's one thing after another, it is not random. It's not just, well, that's life, that's the way it is. No, it's a very intentional attempt at attacking you. And sometimes somebody that you really love says something to you that's just, it hurts. And it was just at the wrong time. And even things that are said by people who don't intend it at all come in like flaming darts. Now, does that mean that the devil made someone say that to you? No, it's even simpler than that. They just randomly said something that didn't mean much of anything, but the devil told you, you know what they mean by that. You know what they're thinking. And all of a sudden you're like, even my friends are against me. No, they aren't. It's fun when you talk to people. It's, it's entertaining but sad. When you talk to people who see conspiracies everywhere because they find everything seems to fit. And, and that's how the enemy works. He makes us feel like everyone is against us. You ever have that feeling? You walk into a room and you feel like everyone's looking at you. And you, know, you check and you're like, eh, I'm okay. I don't. But that's Satan. Everyone thinks you're this way. One person can say something to you. And by the way, that's why when people come and, and accuse you of things and they really do want to hurt you, they come and insult you and then they say, it's not just me, everyone thinks this way about you. If you had any way of knowing what people think of you, wait, I mean, you've polled everyone? Is that, and they all said, yep, count me in. No, you know, that's, that's Satan talking. Anyone who comes and accuses you of anything and they pretend like they represent more than just themselves, hey, if somebody else feels that way, let them say it. If 10 people come and tell me, you know, that what I said was offensive on Sunday, then I'll kind of think, wow, I guess I must have been out of bounds on that. But if one person comes and tells me that they know 10 people who are offended by me, sorry, that's not going to do it. That just seems like a fiery dart to me. But see, Satan is so effective at distracting us by all of these attacks, some of which aren't even intended to be attacks at all. And then there we are. We feel defeated. His, his message is one message. You are a loser. And anything that makes you feel like a loser is coming from fiery darts because that's what they say on them. That's the little note that's attached to it. You're a loser. What does God say about you? He doesn't say you're a loser. He says he loves you so much that if you were the only person in the world, he would have died for you. He would have rather gone to the cross and suffered everything that he suffered and, and die so that he can be with you. That doesn't sound like loser material to me. So what do we do with fiery darts? The response, as Paul says, is the shield of faith. Faith. The Bible talks a lot about it. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever comes to God needs to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he is somebody who, if you listen to him, it pays. It's worth it. Now, in Hebrews 11, he talks about heroes of the faith and people who just believed in God and believed so strongly that they lived out their lives, what God was calling them to do. 
And a lot of them, God really vindicated them in this life. And they had great victories. But some of them, as he gets towards the end, were sawed in half and killed. But he says, still, faith. You believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. You trust him. You put your faith in him. And that is the victory. There was an old song that used to say, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It comes from 1 John chapter 5 where he says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Over in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 8, Peter's talking about Satan and he says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. You're not alone. Everybody goes through it. Your faith can win the victory for this. But faith is more than just believing. There's a movement today of people who just teach that if you just believe, just faith, have faith in yourself. Have faith in the universe. Or have, your faith is only as good as what you're putting your faith in. What are you trusting? What are you, who are you depending on? And it's not just my faith. It's not just that I believe something. Most of the people in the world are putting their faith in things that are lies. But our faith is as good as who we put our faith in. And that's why the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more I read his word, the more I understand what he says, I get to know him and I get to know how he does things and I know what he says. And all of that allows me to hold that shield up and just go, I got something for you. Whatever you want to throw at me, I'm ready for it. So often what we do is we see an incoming fiery dart And you just see the look on somebody's face and you just know they're going to give you a hard time. And so instead of throwing the shield in the way of the dart and knocking it off, I go, I'm ready because I got a fiery dart for you. And I start to think of how I'm going to answer them and what I'm going to say to them. Or I just start thinking, you're going to feel really bad when that dart hits me and I collapse and cry and, and you feel sorry. Hey, throw the shield up. God is our is the one who, when we know him and know what he's like, he has an answer for all of those attacks. Hey, yeah, you're going to be tempted. You're going to do things that the Bible says are stupid things to do. How about thinking about how dumb it is? How about thinking about the damage that it's done to you in the past when you give in to temptation and do things like that? How about go to his word and see what it says about it? Now, when people come and say things that make you feel low, that make you feel worthless, when the devil has those kind of attacks, look in the word and see what God's word says about you. Hold that shield up high. Now, sometimes I'll get a a fiery dart, and and it's not a false accusation. It's true. It's the devil reminding me of something that I've done, an area where I've failed, an area where I've sinned. Well, does the Bible have anything to say about that? How about the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin? So is that sin one of the all? And what I like to do, Satan wants to remind me of what a sinner I am. I want to remind him of what Jesus did on the cross to take care of my sins. For me, my faith means that 
I start to feel like I'm a loser. I start to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm disqualifying myself or whatever. Now I think of the right hand of God. I think of heaven where right now, if the Bible is true, Jesus Christ is there defending me. And he's not defending me like a lawyer trying to get me off on a technicality, saying, you know, well, he didn't really mean it that way, or could, did you really get a good enough look at his face to know for sure that that was him? He's like, yeah, he's guilty, and I already paid for it. I paid the sentence. And, and he, he, as he defends me to the father, the father's going, I don't even remember that happening. It's gone. It's done. It's as far as the east is from the west. So if Satan is stupid enough to keep reminding me of my sin, if I celebrate that sin, if I go, hey, keep it up, you know, because sometimes I forget what a sinner I am. And the more you remind me of what a sinner I am, the more amazed I am that Jesus loves me. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds, Paul said in Romans. So bring it on, baby, because it's going to show me that I'm even more loved than I thought that I'm even, I have more of God's grace than I even realized. Satan's not that stupid. And when we begin to put that shield up of faith and we remind him of the truth, we remind him of his future, you know what? He just decides this isn't working. And for him, there are enough people who don't put up the shield of faith that he'd rather throw darts in those directions rather than to throw them at people who understand who God is, rather than to throw them at people who know the truth, who have a response, who have a defense, who, who understand. Now, man, if, if you want to stand in your own righteousness, and really, if you want to defend yourself, God will let you defend yourself. If you want to go, yeah, go ahead and put your shield down, why don't you see how many of those darts you can parry? Why don't you see how many of those darts you can catch in midair? Maybe catch one of your teeth. That'd be impressive. And a lot of times that's what we do. It's like, I'll defend myself. Next thing you know, you're on fire going, what's going on here? No, if you don't defend yourself, he will defend you. And his defense is perfect. It's flawless. And the more we indoctrinate ourselves with what he tells us about ourselves, now let him define it. You tell me I'm not worth loving, I'll tell you. Well, it's funny because the smartest person in the universe says I am. He was willing to give everything just because he wants to be in fellowship with me, just because he wants to hang out with me. What do, you, what do you have to say for that? Well, how do you know it's really true? Well, because you're backtracking, that's why it's getting to you, I can tell. It's true. I have faith, I believe. And it's as good as he is. Genesis chapter 15, well, in Genesis 14, Abraham had had, had a, quite a unique experience. His nephew Lot was living down in Sodom, and the kings of Sodom were being attacked by all the surrounding kings, and he was concerned for his nephew, and so Abraham just got his household together and his servants that he had, and they went and battled these other kings off and rescued the kings of Sodom. Genesis chapter 14. And the kings of Sodom were really grateful and they go, hey, let us pay you a ton of money. We're, we're going to make you a millionaire because you helped us. And Abraham goes, nah, that's okay. Why don't you keep your stuff? Um, 
See, if, you, if I let you make me rich, then you're going to say Abraham's rich because we made him rich. And if, I want, if God wants me rich, he'll make me rich, but you're not going to do it. And so then they're like, whatever. And now Abraham starts thinking, these other kings that I just defeated, they're not going to take that. They're going to regroup. And who are they going to come after? Me. And now the kings of Sodom, I've insulted these Middle Eastern sultans who have this tradition of you always accept a gift when it's given, and now I've turned, I'm in trouble. And he knew he was. And so Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, God comes to him and he goes, Abraham, don't be afraid. I mean, first you just look at the story and you go, why would he be afraid? Oh, he had plenty to be afraid about at this point. But God said, don't be afraid. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. It's just as true for you as it was for Abraham. God is your shield. Who he is, his character, his promises, his word, it trumps every fiery dart that can come up. It makes the lies become obvious for the lies that they are. His truth forms a barrier by which we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Every one of them. Every attack that you have this week. Whether it's stubbing your toe, whether it's somebody saying something mean to you, whether it's not getting everything done that you want to get done, whether it's feeling like you failed, whether you give in to temptation, whether you think horrible thoughts, or whether you sit on your chair and do nothing all week, God is still the answer. He has an answer to all of that. And his answer is his grace. His answer is you botch up this week, I'll forget about it because Jesus paid for it. What an incredible insurance policy against fiery darts. God loves you. God is faithful. He always shows up. And all of those attacks, put the shield up, they don't mean anything. They are only as effective as you will allow them to be. If you don't get in the word, you're going to be a sucker for lies. If you don't know what God says about himself, then you're going to get all focused about you. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to live your life that way at all. He has an alternative. He has an option. And it's the shield of faith. And that is what has an answer to every little exploding accusation that Satan wants to bring against you. You can win. You can do this. And nothing matters that's happened before right now. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It starts over right this second. And it'll start over again later this afternoon. And it'll start over again tonight. It'll start over again the next day. Don't believe the lies. Don't fall for the distractions. Don't let lies define who you are. Because if you believe it, it's almost like it's true. You were never intended to be a loser, but if you start believing that you're a loser, you're going to lose. You're going to quit. You're going to sit down instead of moving forward. Get this. This is so incredibly important. The battle's won if we keep the shield up. Put the shield down, you're on your own. 
and joy. Keep the shield up, his truth. And it's got a response to every flying dart, flaming accusation that comes to play. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. It's really true that faith comes by hearing. And the more we see what you've said, the more we understand what you've done, the love that you have for us, the grace that you've given us, we're so covered. We're so blessed. And all of the little fiery explosions really don't mean anything in light of that. Help us to see that stuff for what it is, to deflect it with your mighty shield, and to move forward in the battle with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.